This is the Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore. We welcome Jerry Snyder to the program. How you doing, Jerry? Good, Bob. Good morning. Good morning. Jerry Snyder is president of Historic Amsterdam League, a very active historical society in my hometown of uh, Amsterdam, New York. And uh, coming up really soon, the Amsterdam League will have its annual ghost tour. Uh, What do you folks do? Uh, Well, uh, this will be our fourth year uh, doing our Ghosts of the Past tour. And uh, what we do is uh, we have a guided uh, walking tour. Uh, uh, This year, uh, once again, we're in association with the Green Hill Cemetery. uh, And we give a guided tour uh, through a portion of the cemetery. And uh, we give people the opportunity to meet some of the former permanent residents of Amsterdam. And... uh, the residents have the opportunity to relate their stories and tell them a little bit about the history of the mm. area. And as you say, or maybe you didn't say, this has become a very popular event. Yes, uh, we uh, actually uh, we've done done very well. Uh, as I say, this is our this is our fourth year, and uh, we do have a, a fixed number of uh, people that we can accommodate. Uh, we do it on two evenings. And this year it'll be on the 23rd and the 24th of October. And uh, we've usually uh, seen the situation where we actually have more more people come than uh, than we were able to accommodate. So we try to sell our tickets ahead of time and tell folks to, to get them early so that uh, they're sure that we can accommodate them that evening. So where can t- uh, you get tickets before the event? Uh, well, the the tickets themselves are available at uh, Old Peddler's Wagon on Church Street in Amsterdam, 175 Church Street, and also at uh, Damiano's Flowers uh, at 2 Hewitt Street up at the Rockton Y. Mm-hmm. And uh, the tickets are specific to the evening, either Friday or Saturday evening. And then uh, once once you have your ticket, uh, the tours themselves uh, are approximately uh, leaving approximately every half hour. And... Uh, on Friday night, they start at 6 o'clock and run through 8, and then Saturday night, they start at 5.30 and run through 8. Uh, we tried to schedule an earlier one on Saturday because some folks like to go when it's still lighter out. Uh, and they, uh, once you get your ticket for the evening, then you have to check in at City Hall, and at that point, you can uh, pick the time of the tour that you want to you attend. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a, I think it's a, a bargain price, $10 for an adult, $5 for children, because really you provide them a lot of uh, information and entertainment, and then you say they're refreshments. So yes, the tours yes. begin and end at City Hall, and the Green Hill Cemetery that you're touring, uh, old cemetery in Amsterdam, one of the original rural cemeteries in America, um, although it's in the middle of a city, uh, you then the tour walks through Green Hill. How, but you you now bus people, do you not? Or it used to be you had the you had the stone staircase at a Green Hill Cemetery. You, you'd go up, but you don't do that anymore with the tour groups. Well, the, the first the first year we, the first year we did it, we uh, we utilized the what they called the Sanford stairs, which. Uh, Stephen Sanford paid for, which kind of lead almost from the uh, city hall property itself up to this, up to the, uh, up to the cemetery. It's it's a beautiful walk up through there. Uh, however, it's a bit of a hike to get up those steps, and uh, 
what we're going to do this year is we will be taking people by bus, uh, compliments of Liberty, uh, providing the buses to us. Uh, we will be taking them from the city hall lobby and uh, taking them up to the entrance of the cemetery. And then when the tour is finished, we will be bringing them back to the city hall. And at the city hall, while they're waiting, we will have uh, we will have refreshments available, and we also have some entertainment lined up. Uh, if anyone attended our neighborhood tours, uh, they had the opportunity to see the video that uh, Dave Brownell had prepared for us. He's also prepared prepared a very short video which people will be able to enjoy at the city hall uh, while they're waiting for the tour. Uh, we also have a reader who will be doing some local. Uh, I call them ghost stories. They're more uh, stories relating to uh, investigations and uh, past uh, incidents in, around the area, supposed mm -hmm. uh, true reports. I'll let people make their own decisions on that. And um, also uh, we are trying to line up uh, someone who will be doing readings uh, if people want to get a reading done, a psychic reading. Uh, that will be between them and the uh, the psychic as far as uh, <laughs> how long they want to have it done and how much they want to pay for it to have that, that reading done. But uh, we may also be able to have a psychic available. We also are talking with someone who would be a pet psychic who supposedly will be able to put you in touch with a former pet. So that <laughs> would be quite interesting also. So there will be some entertainment available, and, of course, we will also have refreshments available. And uh, those are always good, too. So you think the psychics will help you with the weather forecast? No, I'm just. I kidding. certainly hope so. That's the one thing that the the one thing we haven't been able to figure out how to control yet. Yeah, and also when you get into the cemetery, I mean, it is an older cemetery, uh, and you got to walk through it. Wear sturdy shoes or something like that. Definitely, uh, definitely, yes. The the cemetery itself, it's a beautiful cemetery. However, you are walking over very uneven ground. You're, you're outdoors, so we encourage everyone to wear, you know, wear your uh, trail shoes and uh, dress appropriately for whatever the weather is going to be for that evening. Mm. Now, I, I looked up a little bit on Green Hill Cemetery. Apparently, it opened in 1858, was expanded at the end of the uh, Civil War, and the designer was Burton Thomas, who also designed uh, a similar cemetery, but I think it is actually quite a bit larger, the Vale Cemetery in Schenectady and the Albany Rural Cemetery. Yes, uh, it's, uh, it was during the whole rural cemetery movement. Uh, at the time, it was much more rural than it is now. It wasn't surrounded by the city, but the, the whole intent was to have a cemetery that was not only a cemetery, but also an area that would serve more as a park uh, and those, it was not unusual at that time for people to actually go to the cemetery on a Sunday for a picnic or just to enjoy the, uh, enjoy the trees and the walkways and uh, the garden areas and such that were available at that time. Uh, over, over time, obviously, the, the maintenance and everything becomes very expensive to, to maintain something like that, and uh, it's kind of fallen fallen off obviously not many people would go to the cemetery today for a picnic but that was the original intent of the whole rural cemetery movement was to provide an area for for people who were working in the city in the industrial environment to be able to get out and enjoy something like that yeah i remember going to the cemetery for picnics did you when you were young it wasn't this cemetery we used to go to fairview uh, which is uh a kind of above saint mary's uh, hospital off of steadwell avenue because that's where our people are buried 
Yeah, I I never um, I never did that when I was younger. I never. Uh, I think we were probably my generation was a little bit beyond that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I know my sister in particular just uh, loved doing that, and also I, I know that the family would go there quite a bit, and they didn't live in that neighborhood. I mean, it involved probably in the old days taking a trolley car or a bus out to the west end of Amsterdam to go up uh, to the cemetery. But with Green Hill, I used Reed Hill, which is a, uh, adjacent to and I believe you're going in for the tours. So we often cut through the cemetery on our uh, way to school. And then on the way back, it might even be dark. So there are always kinds of stories. I remember the one thing that was a must-see was the grave of Benedict Arnold, which, of course, is not the Benedict Arnold who became the traitor. True, yeah. The, the, Bene the Benedict Arnold that's up there is the one that was the the uh, Amsterdam merchant here that uh, lived on Lower Market Street. And uh, I, the first year we did our tours four years ago, he was he was one of our... Uh, he was one of our residents that we visited there. I and, uh, I still have people ask that question, you know. Benedict Arnold is buried in Amsterdam, yes, uh, but not that Benedict Arnold. I know. Uh, well, that's true. And uh, I had that story in my uh, first book, Stories from the Mohawk Valley. And at least once, maybe several times when I think about it, you know, pe people have become were very disappointed. They'd show up at a book talk, and they had all these theories about Benedict Arnold, that he was better than they, the history said or worse and so forth. And the person was quite surprised that I wasn't talking about him at all, yeah, <laughs> talking about this man from Amsterdam. Different one. one of the, actually, actually, one of the postcards which we... Uh, Produced this year for our, our 2015 series for the for the Historic League is actually uh, an original John Manny photo, uh, compliments of uh, History and Archives in Fonda, that uh, is actually the Benedict Arnold homestead on Lower uh, Lower Market Street. So if anybody put in a shameless plug, if anybody wants to see what it originally looked like, just pick up one of those postcards and they can see what his original homestead looked like on Lower Market. And another note from Green Hill that I came across, uh, Benedict Arnold's grandson, I mean our Benedict Arnold, or the Amsterdam Benedict Arnold's grandson, also buried at Green Hill, Lieutenant Benedict Arnold Leonard, killed in 1864 the Battle of Spotsylvania Courthouse, which was his 12th Civil War battle. He, he served in the 32nd and 73rd New York Volunteer Infantry. I do notice they expanded the cemetery at the end of the Civil War, and I, I presume uh, there were a lot of burials there. Uh, there's there's an entire section I know that uh, is just the uh, just the Civil War circle section there that uh, that's quite extensive. I, I don't know the exact number of uh, of burials there resulting from the Civil War, but uh, there are there are quite a few in that one area. I know. And, uh, is, I mean, there's a whole history unto itself with just that one section. Mm. Of course, uh, with the Civil War, as I understand it, many, if not most, of the northern soldiers who were killed were buried where they lay, I mean, where, where the battle was. But apparently some uh, of the remains were were brought home. Uh, apparently that's, that's quite true. And, of course, uh, the whole process of embalming and everything really didn't come into play until later in the war so it was very difficult for them to ship you know to ship the remains home and everything at that point until uh, until that process started to become more common 
Now, you said that in one of your previous tours, uh, by the way, we're uh, talking with Jerry Snyder, president of Historic Amsterdam League, about their annual Ghosts of the Past tour, uh, which is coming up soon. Uh, you said you had someone play Benedict Arnold. Um, so the, the deal is that when you the folks are touring the cemetery, uh, different people will pop up, like Benedict Arnold. Who, who are, can you say who are some of the people who will pop up, if you will, maybe not literally from the ground, but they'll pop up uh, in this tour? Well, uh, I'll mention, mention uh, two or three of them. Uh, never quite sure exactly, you know, who, who's going to be, uh, who's going to be around that evening. There, you know, always may be some surprises that come along with it, but, uh, we have we have plans to try to visit some of the uh, some of the residents that are there. Uh, one of them that uh, one of them that we uh, definitely uh, want to visit with is uh, Bruce Anderson, who was uh, African American who served for the Union uh, in the Civil War, as we were just discussing, uh, Congressional Medal of Honor winner. Yes, and, and it took him forever to get that medal. I remember. Writing about that, he was involved in a uh, charge on, I believe it's Fort Fisher in uh, North Carolina, and he and other volunteers uh, went and uh, chopped down a wall, a wooden wall that the Confederates were hiding behind, and most of that little unit was killed, and they were supposed to get a Medal of Honor, but uh, in in all their cases, the, the Medal of Honor didn't come for a long time, and, and his, I believe, quite late, I think it was into the 1900s. Yes, it uh, it took quite some time, and uh, apparently there was there was quite a bit of mix up on paperwork and everything that was involved with him and uh, uh, Judge Maxwell, who uh, here from the city, um, who was involved with uh, his family was involved with the knitting mills up in uh, up in the Rockton area. Uh, he decided he didn't want to stay in the uh, in the business world. He became a lawyer, and then he became a judge up there. It turned out that. Uh, the Judge Maxwell actually worked very hard to uh, get him the, the, that medal and uh, did the paperwork for him. Turned out that Judge Maxwell himself was actually at that battle, but he was in the Navy at the time and uh, didn't know anything about uh, Bruce Anderson uh, huh. until much later when when the whole thing developed and uh, he realized that he was at the same battle and decided that uh, this was something that needed to be rectified. And uh, he worked very hard to see to it that that, uh, that came about. And you, another point, uh, I'm, I know that uh, Kelly Farquhar, the county historian, who's quite an authority on uh, the Underground Railroad in Montgomery County and African-American history, she was doing a talk, I believe, at Green Hill about Bruce Anderson. And uh, this gentleman came, and I can't think of his first name now, but his nickname was Cowboy. He was also named Anderson. And apparently, uh, Kelly wrote later that she was like nine tenth certain that uh, Cowboy Anderson was Bruce Anderson's grandson, and Cowboy Anderson was from Gloversville and also uh, and served with the Montfort Point Marines, I believe they were called, it was the first uh, black or black unit of uh, Marines during World War II. I, I know I know some of his family is still still located in the area. That's that's quite possible. I know I know uh, either his grandson or his, his great grandson just had his ninetieth birthday. Uh, and the family just celebrated that. Uh, one of the things that was very interesting is that uh, at, the, at the time, African Americans were not allowed to enlist in the uh, in the uh, Union Army. Uh, there was some confusion apparently in the paperwork, and we just were able to obtain copies of his enlistment papers 
and everything from Fort Fisher. Uh, Dave Brownell did a lot of digging on that, and they're currently putting together a nice exhibit for him down there huh. um, uh, on Bruce Anderson. Uh, yes, because but, he served, I guess you're saying, an integrated unit, is my understanding. He was in a in a regiment or uh, a group of soldiers that was mostly white, but he was there, and he, he was an African-American. Yes, he is. He, he was originally born in Mexico, New York, and his paperwork shows that he was born in Mexico. So right. there, was some, there was some confusion as to where he was born, and there may have, it may have been thought that he was actually Mexican rather than African-American, I see. which would have been fine as far as him enlisting in the, uh, in the Army at the time. Mm-hmm. So there's some there's some question as to uh, you know at the time of his enlistment because his papers actually show place of birth Mexico and where it says state on it it's actually crossed out huh. so so there is uh, there's there's more to the story there yeah well anyway so that's one of the the former residents uh, who will make an appearance or permanent uh, residents Bruce Anderson uh, you have a couple of others. Yeah, you also uh, you also should have an opportunity to uh, meet one of our uh, original industrial uh, movers and shakers here in the city, uh, William McClary, who mm-hmm. was one of the founders of the uh, what we call the Upper Mills uh, up in Rockton. Uh, was originally McClary and uh, Howgate up there, and it became McClary, Wallen, and Kraus. And then eventually became the, uh, when they merged with the Shuttleworth brothers, it became the Mohawk Carpet Mills. So William McCleary should be there and be able to give you a little history uh, on the development of the, uh, of the Mohawk Carpet Mills up there and uh, a little bit of his background. He was, uh, he was involved in a number of things in the city here and uh, was one of the more prominent Amsterdamians of his time. Mm-hmm. Um, and... There's some other people you probably have never heard of, but you will definitely uh, be able to hear their stories. We have, uh, oh, we have some of the early, uh, may, maybe an early politician might pop up on the way. And, uh, okay. Maybe, uh, maybe some people that were involved in civic organizations along the way. So should be quite interesting. Uh, we may, you may even come across some people that uh, you wouldn't really want to meet. <laughs> All right. Uh, and then, again, this is for the uh, Ghosts uh, Tour. Uh, I believe it's called uh, Ghosts of the Past. Is that what it's called? Yes, Ghosts of the Past Tour, yes. taking place Friday, October 23rd, and Saturday, October 24th at uh, Green Hill Cemetery in Amsterdam. The starting point, the ending point, is uh, the Amsterdam City Hall, the former Sanford Mansion. Now, I, uh, I know you've other years you've done Stephen Sanford, who was the... A carpet maker who started the, or well, he didn't start it, his father did, but I mean, he sort of built up uh, the Sanford carpet mills uh, in Amsterdam, a well-known uh, local historical figure. And I think it's probably no surprise that he's buried there. And in fact, he, they have a mausoleum, do they not, uh, the Sanfords? Yes, they have They have a very large mausoleum. And actually, uh, it originally, it's, it's right at the point of the uh, cemetery that overlooked the uh, the Sanford Mansion. Uh, it's on that corner of the cemetery. Uh, over the years, obviously, the trees and everything has grown up to the point where you can no longer no longer see it from that point. But it, it sits right atop the hill, just above the uh, the city hall itself. 
and overlooks it. And they also have a very large family plot right next to the mausoleum there. For, uh, well, for the one thing Sanford I thought family. things interesting. I mean, I can understand Stephen Sanford being there, you know, being in that cemetery. But his grandson, widely known as Laddie Sanford, I believe his name also was Stephen. He's buried there as is Laddie's wife, Mary Duncan. And they, after 1933, when the Sanfords sold the city hall or gave the city hall, I'm sorry, they didn't really sell it. They gave the city hall to the city. Uh, Laddie Sanford um, moved moved out of town. I mean, he, he didn't live in Amsterdam. They lived in Palm Beach, Florida, and his uh, wife uh, was a, an actress named Mary Duncan. But they, uh, well, they came back for their final resting place. Yes, they, they came back to the family plot there. It's, it's surprising the number of the Sanford family that actually are buried up there. Yeah. Um, let me see. Laddie died in 1977, and Mary died in 19... Uh, 93. Well, it should be uh, a lot of fun and also informative as well, the Ghosts of the Past History Tour. You know, Jerry, I wanted to talk to you a little bit and um, about historical societies, of which the Historic Amsterdam League is one, uh, one of those uh, such organizations. We're going to have a gentleman on, um, on the uh, podcast soon, Peter Feynman, who's kind of... Uh, uh, he, he puts on historical programs, and he's very active uh, statewide in historical circles. And he's kind of discouraged by what happened uh, to the um, most recent state effort to uh, promote uh, tourism. And he, uh, you know, I think is keenly aware of some of the problems that historical societies have. And also, I was just reading a, a column on what they call the New York History Blog, uh, which you can find online, New York History Blog, by Johanna Yon of Orange County. Now, she's a county historian, you know, which is different from uh, the role that, that you have as president of a historical society. But Johanna writes, there's a crisis in historical societies and historic house museums across the nation. Membership dues and visitation are in decline. The cost of maintaining buildings and collections is exhausting resources. D does, that, do, does that ring true to you? I mean, uh, are things kind of tough out there for the uh, history societies? We're, we're a little bit different probably from a lot of those societies in that we actually don't have a any physical holdings we don't maintain any collections we don't have a a building so to speak where we have our meetings such as a lot of these societies will will maintain a, an area such as that so that's a lot of expense that we don't really have um, our thought was that we really, when we formed the group, we really didn't want to be in competition with areas or with groups such as, as the Walter Elwood Museum or Fort Johnson or even History and Archives. There, there's several places, you know, that in the area here that already have collections and do a great job of maintaining information and uh, have archives of material and. I mean, even even what we have uh, available in, in the own, our own uh, city records, uh, but they do a great job of that already, and we didn't want to duplicate what they were doing or be seen as going into competition mm -hmm. with them. So in, in a way, we're ahead of the game there because we have 
all these other resources in our area that are already working to to maintain that. So we we didn't go in that direction. Um, our intent and hopefully our what we've what we've tried to achieve, and I think we have to a, a certain degree been very successful in that, is to bring awareness of the history and the heritage of the area just to the public, and by doing that through through the events more than anything, and that's why we do our neighborhood tours every year for the uh, for the people here in the city and and for you know guests that come in, and that's why we do these ghosts of the past tour, and. We had originally thought, even with the ghosts of the past, we had originally thought, well, maybe we could do like a haunted house. And the more we thought about it, that didn't really fit in with what we wanted to do because haunted houses are, you know, they're great for Halloween and they're scary and that type of, they're entertaining, but it really didn't get across what we what our purpose was. And, and our tours are not meant to be scary. Our tours are meant to be fun and entertaining but they're also meant to be informative and to give people information and a little bit of education and kind of sneak that in by being entertaining at the same time. It's kind of like sneaking the vegetables into your kid's dinner, you know? Uh, you, you sneak in the education and the information along with making it a fun thing for people to do. But it also gives them a feeling for the, for the history and the background of the city a little bit. And I've... I've there was a there was a letter to the editor last year in the, in the paper after the tours, which I, I saved the actually that someone wrote in and said that they had gone on the tour, and they learned more of the history of Amsterdam in the hour tour that they took through the cemetery than they had learned in going through all all the years of school here in Amsterdam because they weren't taught any Amsterdam history, <laughs> and I think that more than anything made me feel that we're accomplishing our goal because. The whole purpose was to highlight the history and the heritage of the city and give people a better appreciation for that, because I think once people start to appreciate that, then you get a little bit more pride in it, and people, once they start to take pride in their city and what it was, then they look at it and say, well, this can, you know, this is what it can be again, and, and to go in that direction. So I... I think that that's been our goal more than trying to, you know, maintain collections and that type of thing. So I, I think we're doing better in that direction. Uh, mm-hmm. The other the other thing that I think we're doing is we're bucking the trend as far as membership goes, and we have lost we have lost some initial members along the way, but we also pick up members, and it seems like every time we have an event, we always get a few more people to join. And right now we've got about 99 people that that are actual dues-paying members, which has climbed up pretty good from our initial 17, which we had when we when we originally formed five years ago. And we, we have members in California and Florida and Connecticut and Ohio, and uh, many of those are about 20% of our people are lifetime members. So mm-hmm. I, I think really we've, we've kind of struck a chord with people that realize that uh, there's a lot of history here, and, and the main thing is to... To do something that the, that connects with the folks out there, and and I I've always felt that the more we can do to connect directly with the people, and, and to bring bring history to them, and as a it's kind of cliche, but to bring history alive for them in some way, shape, or form, either through our tours or through the books that that we put out, or even our calendars, 
something like that that, uh, that keeps a constant reminder of the history of the city out there before them, uh, more so than uh, just maintaining collections or something. Uh, obviously, we're glad to help out with any questions or anything that we can, but uh, our, our main purpose is to, uh, is to get out there and uh, be, uh, be a spokesperson for the history and heritage of the city, give it a voice, and that's something that hasn't had here in a long time. Well, Jerry Snyder, I thank you very much uh, for joining us on the Historians Podcast, uh, their Ghosts of the Past tour of the Green Hill Cemetery coming up Friday, October 23rd and Saturday, October 24th. Tickets available in advance at Old Peddler's Wagon and Damiano Florists. The tours begin on those dates uh, at Amsterdam City Hall. Well, Jerry Snyder, thanks uh, very much, and I hope you have a good day. You too, Bob. Thank you very much for having me.